that. And I was like, well, even if he does talk about management, they're still not going to help. You know, I mean, there's a lot of minority management. So, I mean, not as much as you think. You don't think so? No, not uneducated minority management. Hmm. My opinion. How many uneducated minority managers do you know outside of yourself and your father? I'm not uneducated. I just didn't finish college. <laughs> you are considered uneducated in the public I'm, eye because okay, you didn't okay. graduate college. Right. I, no disrespect. No, no, you're right. But you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the term deemed yeah. for someone who didn't right. finish college. You just have a high school education. Which, nowadays, you can't even get a job at McDonald's with that. It's hard out here. It's hard. It's hard out here for him. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Let's Discuss It Podcast. Aunt took the night off, so I'm sitting here with my Aunt Jennifer. We're going to sit here and talk about the healthcare field. Good afternoon, everyone. <laughs> I love you, Thea. I love uh, you too, Miha. So what I want to talk about, I really want people to understand what it's like to be a nurse. And I think from where you started from, I think you said being a receptionist to where you are now, I kind of want to do a step-by-step on what future nurses and what people don't see that nurses go through often uh definitely uh working in healthcare uh can definitely be referred to as climbing of a ladder uh you know you can use a ladder to reach a lot of things and and working in healthcare has been like a ladder to me because starting on the bottom step I like I um you know because you know me was once a medical assistant. Mm-hmm. I done uh, work. I always used to tell people, you know, when you go to the doctor's office, the person that calls you back and says, hey, John Doe, I'm going to get your blood pressure, check your heart rate. The mm-hmm. doctor will be in in a minute. I done that for many a years. <clears throat> and um, in doing that, I spent some time in the hospital uh, assisting my physician that I work for. Right. Um, he done procedures. I helped him write orders. And it was in doing those things that I learned that there was another step to the ladder. Right. Um, it wasn't then that I saw that there was more money in taking a step up the ladder, but taking a step up the ladder does, of course, mean more money. Uh, the first step I took up the ladder was entering into uh a job that would allow me to go to school. Right. Um, many nurses uh, have to endure working and going to school. Uh, nursing is a career that can be taken on right out of high school, but I didn't. Uh, when you did don't you take something right out of high school, it's hard because you don't have the parental support. Usually you have a significant other, maybe a family by then. And so I was probably... 10 years out of high school before I went to my first actual nursing program. Well, people consider that late, though. That is considered late. Uh, okay. When I entered into college, I was older than most of my classmates. Right. Um, it was definitely something that was a challenge. Mm-hmm. It was um, hard to focus on uh, schoolwork and family, but it was something that I knew I wanted to do. Well, and when you think about it, Ever since I've known you since I was a kid, I've always seen you in scrubs. So that always reminded me that in my head, I always thought you were already a nurse. Because when I see scrubs, you you think hospital, you think nurse, you think. But there's so many steps and there's so many courses that you have to go through to swap those colors to, you know, to a certain reign of where that ladder starts and where it ends. Um, I didn't know that the degree of what it took to actually sacrifice time for schoolwork and live a private life like family uh hobbies and stuff like that so when you started to to think that okay when you started as a receptionist where did you realize i mean sometimes i know money's a big issue 
when it comes to nurse cause that, that nursing because that is like a big uh, a, like a like a big blessing to you know getting all your degrees and all the hard work that you that you put in but where did you realize that you wanted to actually be an RN nurse um I realized that I wanted to be an RN after I already had gotten an LPN I got my LPN because I was working as a scribe for a physician. Uh, lots of things started to change in healthcare, and you had to possess a degree in order to write an order for a physician. Mm-hmm. So I was basically going to be phased out of my job if I didn't further my education. It uh, pushed me to take a job as a unit secretary at a hospital, which allowed me to go to LPN school, which mm-hmm. just took 12 months. Right. Uh, uh, pretty hardcore, fast, test every day, uh, very rapid program. Classes Monday through Thursday, clinical on Friday. Uh, the program was over in 12 months. You take boards, you're an LPN. Um, LPNs can work in hospitals, clinics, doctor's offices, lots of things. And you are, at that point, a nurse. Um, you are what is considered a licensed practical nurse. You have a license. You have to renew that license every two years. Then I decided after I got my LPN, I was working in the hospital field, Mm -hmm. and I noted that around me were LPNs and RNs, and we were doing a lot of similar things. And I started looking at what differentiates an LPN from Mm -hmm. an RN, other than pay. Right. I had had previously good paying jobs because of my work ethic. I had had the same job from the time I was 19 until I was nearly 30 years old. So I had longevity on the job. I had good character. I had a good rapport with my boss. I had a good hourly wage. I made as a medical assistant what LPN started out making in the hospital. So I'm probably one of the few people that you will meet who went to school for 12 months to take a pay cut. (laughs) <laughs> but you, how did you cram such a fast, educated course and still have like time for like a? All right, so you're gonna have a lot of future nurses who are gonna be in the same predicament as you, right? What are some of the things that you went through personally that you learned that you know what? Maybe I can tell somebody this so they don't have to go through, and maybe I can give them some early <coughs> advice when it comes to cramming for school, doing the tests, doing the studying, and still have time for family. I always, in any program that I have been in, I've been through an LPN, I've got an associate's in nursing, and I'm currently working on a bachelor's in nursing. Mm -hmm. And throughout all those programs, I have had children, a significant other, and now a husband. Mm -hmm. And how I incorporate them is, in my time, I um, always try to set up a calendar to know how much time I'm going to devote to my studies, how much time I'm going to devote to my children. And I always tried to make sure that the things you knew weren't going to change. You know that your children are going to have homework. Mm -hmm. You know you have to eat supper every night. Your children are going to have to have baths, and they're going to have to have clean clothes for school the next day. Those things that remain constant, we made a menu out for the month. And it had on it what we could have. And I uh, luckily had a spouse who was caring and 
considerate enough of my education, he took on the role of cooking Mm -hmm. and um, helped with the housework. And then the children developed, we developed a chore board for the kids. And so for 30 minutes each day, we set a 30 minute timer. And in those 30 minutes, everyone had one something they were working on, whether it was you were taking the towels and putting them in the washer or you were taking the clothes from the washer, putting in the dryer. You were taking the clothes from the dryer and folding them. You were sweeping the living room and picking up the trash. You were taking the trash out to the trash can. We devoted 30 minutes to cleaning so that we didn't live in a pigsty. Right. And once those 30 minutes were up, we then took 30 more minutes and we all worked on schoolwork together. I sat at one place on the table and I placed my children at others. And if they didn't have homework, they simply read a book silently. (laughs) It's a way that uh, I was able to get my work done in silence, but it didn't seem like I was neglecting them for my education. Because it's definitely not a child or your husband's fault that when you graduated high school, you didn't know what you wanted to do when you grew up. Right. Do you do you ever think like your kids will be a little bit little uh not resentful but they definitely resentful that. is the yeah. word. <laughs> resentful is the word. No no need to back up on that. Um uh, I often think about it. Uh you know, now I have a 17-year-old and uh I am currently in a program getting my bachelor's and yeah. I would like to obtain my master's. And it crosses my mind every day how I'm not going to be able to go directly in my master's because I'll have a son that will be a senior in high school. Right. And how selfish is it of me to be a college student at the same time that my son is in his last year of high school? I know it because that's the one of those things only come one time comes one time and, and so you, you spent most of your time devoted by like you, you're going by a precise schedule and you're going by guidelines and almost like your own set of personal rules to divide what people don't realize is such a little time to yourself to show your kids and show your husband or wife or whatever that you're not selfish but it's almost like you if you don't get that little bit of of relief from everything I feel like you'll lose your mind right It is. It is hard to explain to children that what you are doing is for the betterment of everyone when all they can see is what is expected. Mm -hmm. Um, People expect to have a roof over their head, Mm -hmm. lights, water, clothes on their back. And when you are in school, generally, that's all that's going to go on. It's not a lot of gift giving. It's not a lot of extra money spent. (laughs) Uh, You got tuition, you got books, and you uh, definitely spend most of your time studying, reading, preparing for tests. So there's not a lot of eating out or gallivanting. And so your children have to try to say, well, you know, mom's going to school so that we can do better. But what are they seeing from it? They're actually seeing almost like the hard time because me personally going through it with uh, Misty going through school for what she's doing and, you know, the budgeting, the do we really need to spend that phrase coming on so much that I don't think a lot of people are really able to admit that you have to have a really strong financial mind state to make it through someone who's going through nursing school or even any some kind of cause but it almost seems like nursing school is always the primary school that people struggle through financially because of the studying of the test taking of the time in clinicals clinicals isn't something that you get paid for right you you are not paid for clinicals correct (laughs) so so you go (laughs) so you not only you spend an hour studying god knows six to something chapters at, at a time you're spending unpaid 
clinical hours to better educate and gain knowledge on how to work in that environment. And if you can, if you can have a job, you're working. And so by the time you get home and by the time you've dealt with all these things, like you are so financially drained at that point, not even physically, financially drained, because all you can think about is money. Because, I mean, people who ever tried to live without it can understand. But me going through it personally, how did y'all manage? I mean, I'm not not saying put your personal out there, but um, how did how were you able to really with the kid, the the uh, the kids that you have and the things that you have to pay? And just to maintain stability, how did you do that going through nursing school? Uh, the first thing I done was bought a little hustle bucket car. I uh, <laughs> was fortunate. I, my sister-in-law had hit a deer in her car, and I paid uh, $1,000 for her car. It was a little four-door Cavalier. It allowed me to save on gas. Uh, driving from Jackson to Dyersburg every day for school was not cheap. So... In doing that, that was had my gas plan saved out right there. Right. I then had to think about, okay, what am I going to do to save money at home? We did little things like preparing meals based on what was on sale. I started then looking at um, newspapers, clippings, and things to find out what was going to be on sale because I made my menu out in advance. Right. I knew that on Sunday when I looked at the paper and saw what was on sale, I could buy all the things that were on sale, freeze them, and tell my husband, okay, today we're going to have pork chop, rice, beans. It's already there. Get it out. Cook it. Right. Um, I also was able to save by um, putting an eat-out allowance out there. Um, we were only allowed to eat out um, once in a pay period, and it had to cost less than one hundred dollars. Right. Um, that is not a lot of money when you have three children and two adults eating. That's not a lot of money to go eat anywhere decent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to eat anywhere that's worth even going out to eat, you're almost like you go spend seventy dollars. Let's say you you have you have three kids, so you go spend. Let's just say you have three kids and you go spend a hundred dollars, right? The meal is almost like because you get home and you feel like crap about it, and you're like, man, I should have just bought something. <laughs> you think about what you could have done with that hundred dollars in the grocery store. Yeah, but that's needed though, right? To get away, to actually feel like you're to, still functioning normally. And, and that is how you incorporate and show your children that they aren't being neglected and that you still love them throughout this education. Right. Um, because your children and your spouse definitely, or your significant other, they definitely feel the brunt of your education. You are going through your own headache and heartache, but they are going through their own too. Mm-hmm. And you have to kindly be sensitive to that. Um, everyone has to kindly find their own way to show their family that, uh, hey, I'm still here for you. I'm just really busy right now. Um, and so I found that doing things like setting a menu for our meals and going and finding out what was on sale, ensuring that we kept a strict $100 per pay period eat out budget. And I was able to um, work night weekends, which mm-hmm. allowed me to be free during the week for school. So I wasn't taken away um, in that aspect. So that took away every weekend that I had. Yeah. So, so you're almost working mentally through the week and physically on the weekend. Correct. So and how is that selfish for uh, your spouse though? Um, yes, in a way it is. He has to um, find his time in between the time that I'm sharing with everyone else, right. whether that be my teachers, classmates, my job, 
you are split in a million different directions and still have to stand and be one person throughout right. it all. Mm-hmm. And it throughout all of my school programs, I tried to keep the same mindset. Um, I am in my fourth educational program and I now have four children Uh, when I first went to school I had one child when (laughs) I entered into LPN school I had um, two children I went to RN school I had three children (laughs) I now am in my bachelor's and I have four let's hope when I'm in my master's I don't have five (laughs) this seems to be the going thing but it's it's almost like my three-year curse that I had (laughs) I'd had Jude three years later. I had Noah three years later. I had Presley. I said, I don't want three. I, we broke the three-year curse. You're, you're, yeah, you have to just break <laughs> the curse. And so I wanted to have my education and not take away from my children. And I also didn't want a lot of student loan debt. Um, student loan debt is another one of those things that is ugly and will haunt you and will follow you to your grave if you aren't careful. And so how I avoided that is I got online and I found grants. I found scholarships. I applied. I went to the financial aid office at my school. I asked questions and in obtaining my uh, medical assistant, I was out maybe $300 my entire time there. Out of getting my LPN um, cash wise, I was out maybe $500 the entire 12 months. Jeez, that's so unheard of. Like people because, are so proud not to go ask for that either. Because you know? I wasn't afraid to ask a question. There are scholarships and grants and things like that out there. And, and you always want to make sure that you get the kind of money that you don't have to pay back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, If you have to get a loan, by all means, get a loan. At the level of my bachelor's, I'm to the point now where I have had to take out a loan with this bachelor's education. But with my associate's degree, I was able to get Pell Grants. I was able to get um, things awarded to me. There are scholarships for being left-handed. There's scholarships for having natural hair. There's scholarships for being the first in your family to go to college. There are, if you can think of it, there's probably a scholarship for it. Um, There are many websites to look on. I started out in the financial aid office at my school and went forward from there. And um, no education is cheap, but I urge people who are in high school and are considering nursing as a degree to use the free college. There now, um, students can go to school for two years for free. A lot of people that I've seen that go into healthcare, they start out at nursing homes as a job. And it just completely ruins them because of the of how overworked they are, how underpaid they are, and how less they been they they get taken for granted. And so when you have people who are getting treated poorly, they in return don't work as hard for people who are in there with with their families putting the trust in those nurse you know those CNAs right CNAs yes okay those those families are putting their relatives' health on the line for this company for that company or that nursing home. And those CNAs to take as best care, you know, for those people as possible. And so that's why you see a lot of people get mistreated 
and you see a lot of people disgruntled. You know, you see a lot of people who just really had the most miserable time and they get like a really bad rap because of that overworked, you know? Yes. Uh, that is a conversation that will forever be at the forefront of healthcare and nursing. Um, the uh, staff to patient ratio. Yeah. Um, the staff to patient ratio is one of those things that is looked at from both angles. In a hospital setting, you have one nurse for every four or five patients. In the hospital now? In the hospital now. Okay. Um, and in a nursing home setting, I'm, I've never worked in a nursing home, so I don't personally know, but I can ballpark estimate that those nurses is probably one nurse for up to 20 patients. Jesus. I can't imagine. In an eight-hour shift, they have to take care of 20 people correctly. Yes. How is that even possible? That's not fair. That's not even possible. It's very hard to do. That's why you have to work and, and your ancillary staff plays such an important role. I um, always praise any uh, ancillary staff that is involved, uh, any type of CNA or patient care tech or aid that is allowed to help you um, treat them with fairness, kindness and respectfulness. And I always try to remember that I didn't get where I am today without having been where they are right now. Right. Um, I am not above doing aid work if that's what's called for. If that's what's needed in the situation or in the instance to help out, to keep someone from being overworked, overwhelmed mm -hmm. um, or ruining their day, that's what needs to be done in that moment. That's one of those things that will make or break how someone feels about healthcare. Absolutely. If you choose the wrong career setting, it may make you feel like you chose the wrong career. Right. And that may not be the case. You could have simply chosen the wrong career setting. Let's take you, for instance. Okay. You work in maintenance. Right. Okay. You like pretty good what you do. Absolutely. You are able to be outdoors sometimes, mm -hmm. indoors sometimes. Right. You probably would hate it. My dad works in maintenance. Guess right. what? My dad works inside a building all day. Oh, that's awful. He works on machines. He Something breaks on the machine. My dad goes to fix the machine. Yeah. That's a lot of, like, that's nothing's, a lot of repetitive uh, nature. Yep. Nothing's uh, broke on the machine. Then my dad forms QCs, quality checks, and things like that on things that are going around. He's inside of a building. No. I can't so do that. So <laughs> those are, y'all are both in the same career, Absolutely. but y'all have different career settings. You have to choose the setting that is right for you. And I think that that's something that in nursing school, you are provided clinicals. You are shown an array of things. Yeah. Um, I can remember in LPN school, we went to clinicals in um, dialysis. We were shown med surge floors. We were shown um, oncology floors. We were shown um, nephrology floors, neurology floors. We, uh, all in a hospital setting, we... Um, were able to see all of those things. We were able even to go to surgery. And uh, I was able to figure out in the year's time that I was in school, I knew I wanted to work medical surgical. I knew that I wanted to work bedside. I knew I wanted to be right there. Um, I wanted the uh, continuity of care associated with working on a floor and taking care of patients. I didn't want the ever-changing emergency room or surgery. Um, I knew I wanted med surge. Okay. Sometimes 12 months isn't enough time for a nurse to decide what they want. Yeah. 
So when you talk about patient care, like, you know, working on the floor, how many uh, nurses to one patient do you say usually on your floor? Usually there is um, like, uh, okay, I'll give you an example. On my floor, there are 42 rooms. Okay. In those 42 rooms, there are generally, um, if all 42 of those rooms are occupied, um, there are um, 11 nurses. Okay. And um, those 11 nurses um, are divided up and um, 10 of those nurses um, are given a set amount of patients. And then one of those nurses is only given two patients. And she or he is placed in charge and in okay. a leadership role. And then you have four or five patient care technicians. And that allows the load to be lightened. Okay. Um, in the event that it is an understaff or a shortage, um, we have nine or 10 nurses and we have to take um, up to five patients. And taking up to five patients um, can be stressful. It yeah. can be overwhelming. Um, because for these five patients, a nurse is providing all of the medication passing. She is doing all, she or he is doing all of the charting. She or he is rounding on these people every hour on the hour. She or he is trying to meet all the personal needs of this patient and their family. This is also in conjunction with an aide um, or CNA most of the time but it still can get overwhelming. Um, and everyone seems to overlook and think that nurses can be in two places at one time. And we can't. We're just one person. Well, what do you do when you have a disgruntled patient who doesn't realize that you do have a lot? All right, so you sometimes you do get a couple of patients. Now, I've been to a, a bunch of different hospitals for a bunch of different reasons for a bunch of different people. And I always see the people in the room when the nurses walk out, they're like, she couldn't do that right now. Or she, could she not have grabbed that pillow? She was right there. Or didn't that cart just come by? And, you know, whatever whatever the extent to that complaint is, I don't understand where the entitlement comes from. Um, because we live in a entitled world. Okay. Um, healthcare is uh, a job where you work with the people. And there are jobs where you work with the people and there are jobs where you work for the people. And what I mean by that is uh, my husband used to work in construction. Okay. My husband worked for the people. My husband provided a service. My husband went into a home. He tore up some tile. He put down some hard work or some hardwood. And that was a service that he provided for someone. Okay. He'd done that for them. He didn't expect them to do anything right. except just not be in the way. Let him put the floor down. Right. I, as a nurse, work with someone. I expect you to give me the same amount of respect that you want me to give you. Okay. I expect you to understand that if you ask me to do something and I tell you I'm going to do it, until I give you a reason to doubt me, until I don't do something that I said I was going to do, please treat me with the same dignity and respect that I treat you. Yeah. Please give me a chance to follow through on every statement that I make. Please give me the chance to show you that I am caring. I am honest. I am loyal and I am empathetic. And I do understand that you're sick. And I understand that no one wants to be in a hospital and everyone would rather be at home. But I at the same time want you to understand that 
I'm not going to treat any one person, family member or not, that they are more important than the next. Right. In healthcare, people want you to treat them well. Almost like they want you to treat them exclusive. But they would not want you to overlook them. Right to do something for someone else, Mm -hmm. but they would ask you to overlook someone else to do something for them. It's almost like they're becoming a very difficult patient. Even when the circumstances, like you have to follow a lot of policies, a lot of procedures, a lot of protocol, a lot of, I better ask somebody who's above me, you know, in in a manager, you know, what I would consider manager or supervisor position. Like that you can't just jump and do something right then and there. There's a lot. Cause like, you do that, fine. But if something would have went wrong, guess who's liable? Yes. And that's where a lot of that stuff gets overlooked because they do not understand that things are run in a hospital at a certain way with a certain formula to make things run correctly. You are absolutely correct. Uh, hospitals, doctor's offices, nursing homes, any kind of healthcare facility that deals with patients are going to have policies, procedure manuals. It's going to be a way that you have to go about doing everything. Um, Things that you take for granted are uh, if you have a headache right now, you'd go and you'd grab a Tylenol and you'd Mm -hmm. take it. Yep. Okay. Guess what? You become my patient in the hospital and you got a headache and you want a Tylenol. I have to ask a doctor. That Mm -hmm. doctor has to grant me permission. Mm -hmm. An order has to be placed. Mm -hmm. The order has to be reviewed and accepted in the pharmacy. Then the pharmacy places it in the uh, medication queue. I go to a machine. I get the medicine out of the machine. (laughs) I bring the medicine to you. It's not as instant as getting up from your chair at home, walking to your medicine cabinet, popping the pill out, and bringing it to you. It's almost like they don't understand, like, that Tylenol can... With it mixed with the wrong thing can really screw up what can happen in the future or what a doctor's trying to do. Because, you know, the doctors are there. They're reviewing your charts. They're reviewing everything to make sure that you're getting the absolute best best uh, care that you can get. And the one thing they don't need is such an impulsive, you know, medication given to them just because that's they feel like they need it. Everything is going by, like I said, a formula. You You can't just up and give somebody you know, painkillers, if they're undergoing something or they're having to deal with something personally, you know, you just can't do that. And a lot of people just don't understand why they just can't do that. I don't understand it. Um, I think that uh, it is just a common misconception among people, uh, sick people especially. It is hard to be sick. I have been fortunate. I have led a very healthy life. I've only had a few instances where I was in a setting where I was actually sick. Um, now, I do have four children. I've experienced the hospital in that setting, and that's a lot different than being sick. Because I I will I will tell people in a heartbeat pregnancy is not an illness. Uh, (laughs) You you definitely are not sick. (laughs) That that was something that you uh, you are going through for a short amount of time, you know, and you have your baby. It's done. You're happy about that. Uh, No one is happy about having uh, the pneumonia, the flu, colitis, a gastric infection, pneumonia, a stroke. No, no one's joyous about that. Um, And so when people are sick, it does tend to send through them a rage of emotions, a flux of feelings, and a lot of times nurses are at the brunt of those feelings. Agitation, frustration, anger, everything that, you know, when you're sick, you already don't want to put up with anything. Yes. So having to have a nurse tell you, you know what, we should probably, let me just, let me see what I can do. Let me run it by your doctor. 
those are the worst things to sell someone who really doesn't want to hear it, you know? And um, so when you're dealing with patient care and, okay, so death is in the profession. Death yes. is something you deal with. Yes. As a nurse, you could be talking to somebody an hour before, have a have a very coherent conversation. Correct. They code, they pass away. How does someone in the in, in basic just in the nursing healthcare alone, how does someone be able to deal with that and function the rest of the night with not without just thinking, you know what, I was just talking to this person like an hour ago and just com- and completely be you have to stay professional. You have to keep focused because you have to stay focused because you still have other patients. You do remain focused. Um, nursing involves complexity and a lot of strategy and complex caregiving. Um, but any nurse to tell you that uh, they have someone die, it leaves them right then. They don't think about it anymore. Uh, they're telling you a lie. Yeah. Uh, it is one of those things that is equally as hard to go through as it is to witness. Um, You have generally been caring for these people and you have developed a rapport with them and it is hard for you to watch the family have to go through that. I try to maintain a mindset that um, in situations like that, you can set the tone. If I am nervous, upset, and acting a monkey in a room that tone will be reflected throughout the room. And if I allow a situation to arise, those emotions in me, then that may cause me to have problems with other rooms or patients that have nothing to do with that. Absolutely. And so I try to be clear, level-headed, and calm-minded, and I always try to respect that everyone grieves in a different way. Death hits everyone differently. I give everyone their fair amount of time with their loved one, and I do what I can and stand back when I'm needed to stand back and I am right there when I'm needed. But I definitely carry on throughout the remainder of the shift because you're not allowed to just, Oh my, I had a patient pass away and I just can't. So you definitely can't just clock out and go home, but I do have to just kind of sit back and take a moment. So when you have an isolated incident, like a death and as it happens, I'm sure, I mean, you, I don't think you're really allowed to say, but as it happened, through your career so far, how do you not become too desensitized where you can not need those moments to yourself? Well, I'm going to tell you what is the hardest for me personally is in an instance where death doesn't occur naturally, so to say, if someone does code, if an unnatural instance occurs and we do CPR and we are unable to bring this person back, those are the hardest ones to deal with for me. Those are the moments where it is hard as mentally for me. I have to go and I have to take a moment to myself. And a lot of time is spent. What could I have done differently? What did I miss? What, you know, what happened? Where did I go wrong? Even though I know there is nothing that I probably could have done to change the outcome, it always weighs on my mind. What could I have done differently? What could I have changed? It, is there a way that I could have done something differently if I had been in there sooner, if I had been in there longer, if I had not left them, if I had not done this, or if I had not done that, or if I had done this? You, you rack your brain trying to figure out a way to have changed a situation that you could not have changed. Yeah. 
and in instances where uh, death is expected and naturally occurs, that is hard as well. Um, because one of the most asked questions surrounding death is, how long do we have left? Oh, no. And when I am asked, I always give the same answer. <clears throat> No man knows the day or the hour, but there are signs and symptoms and things that happen medically that give us cues that help us coach you along through the process. And um, that's very generic, but it is the honest to God truth. And it's the uh, way to not give false hope or to um, have someone thinking they have months or days or years when truth be told they may only have hours and, and yeah. you don't know and you and it's almost like you have to be so selective and so careful on how you talk to a patient because they can misconstrue well you told me that because i you know me having a medically fragile son they can only give me the worst case scenarios right now, they can't even give me just an ounce of even if it's an ounce of even if i think it's their answer hope it's almost like they're saying you know what almost giving me the generic answer but their job is to give oh, – I say their job, but I don't know for sure. But in my opinion, their job is to give you the worst-case scenario so they're so you're not being misled. Correct. Uh, you are never in any instance uh, wanting to give anyone any type of false hope or mislead them in any kind of way. And when you work in healthcare, um, it does almost seem like we turn a blind eye. Um, there are times and instances where I walk into facilities, doctors' offices, nursing homes, and hospitals, and things that uh, kindly seem odd or strange or like they need to be looked at or something done about it to regular people. I think nothing about yeah. because I know that somewhere there's a nurse who hadn't been to pee all shift. <laughs> Somewhere there's a nurse who hadn't had any lunch yep. and she's in her eighth hour of yep. her 12 hour shift. I know that somewhere there is someone who got into a fight with their loved one and still had to come to work and be nice to their coworkers. Mm. There is like, you just never know what is going on. And that makes it to where when I am in a healthcare facility, even in the one I work at when I'm off duty, I never overstep my bounds or try to tell someone how to do their job or harass someone about something. I always try to be mindful of you never know what kind of day someone's having. Absolutely. And to be mannerable and respectful because you never know when it may be you in that situation. And the last thing you need is a coworker not on the clock going in there telling what you should and shouldn't do. Cause I don't even like people doing that to me now when I'm not working. Yeah. You know? And so, all right. So here's one more question with the healthcare that you're providing with you working on the floors, what can you give to people who are coming into nursing, you know, leaving nursing school, coming into the, the hospital field and going into, into this kind of career? What kind of advice would you give them about disgruntled patients that are giving you a hard time? How do you handle those situations <laughs> correctly? Because they uh, could push they could push a button. They don't understand how just, just the littlest thing of, do you even know what you're doing type of regard can um, set somebody off, you know, because, like, they didn't go to school. You did. Uh, yes, most definitely. I, I have had a lot of instances that have made me think, 
okay, this is it. This I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to be a nurse anymore. That's it. I'm, I'm losing my job today. Uh, and, and what I try to do in those instances is always think back on the core principles of nursing, your being empathetic and understanding that they are going through something, um, but also trying to at the same time tell them that you have to remain respectful in order for me to be able to help you. If you are irate, yelling, throwing things, hitting me. I can't provide proper care for you. Yeah. You have to just give me a moment. Just just give me a moment. I've had people yell at me. I've had people curse at me. I've had phones hung up on me. I've been hit. I've been spit at. I've, I, you name it, I've had it happen to me in my career. And uh, I am, I think that what helps me most is I'm not a yeller. Um, I can talk in this same tone and tell you that <laughs> I think that you are a two foot tall piece of crap who doesn't deserve the air God gives people. Mm. And then at the same time, tell you to have a nice day. And I think that maintaining a normal tone, not yelling and being in control of the situation is things that keep me cool. Um, and I, I have a good, strong uh, set of morals um, and I uh, come from a decent background. I am exposed to a lot of different things because of, what's the easiest, best way to put it? I have seen a lot of things in healthcare that make me uh, understand and appreciate most any situation that I'm thrown into. Well, you have a lot of integrity. Uh, and oh. so I can I can understand the mother yelling at me because her son in the bed is hurting and I haven't given him any pain medicine because I can't give him pain medicine until he's been assessed and we know what's going on right. because I got three sons. Mm -hmm. I feel all of that. Um, I can understand the granddaughter wanting to know why her her Mimi is is laying in here and she is um upset and crying and, and she's in pain or she's um, uncomfortable and why the doctor hasn't been around because I had a grandmother like I always try to relate it to myself put the shoe on my foot how if I were in that situation would I feel and I always try to no matter how they talk to me or how they treat me I try to always treat them with respect and not become them yeah. I try not to become baited in a mm. situation. It is easily more. to be baited yes, in healthcare. And if you allow yourself to become baited, social media and the world has made it to where people grab phones and record and misconstrue things so much that in the event that someone does bait me, I want the most that you have on me is for people to say, man, if I was her, I would have cussed them out, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I didn't. And I maintained calm. I said, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. No, ma'am. Yeah. I can't, but I'll get somebody to help you. I continue to try to be mannerable and respectful. 
And if you're going to enter into healthcare, I urge everyone to research where you want to go. Look at what you want to do. Um, healthcare doesn't mean you have to work in a hospital. There are tons of ways, things, and facilities out there. There are nursing homes. There are doctor's offices. There are home health agencies. There are hospice agencies. There are home health agencies that deal with children. There are, you know, doctor's offices that focus and deal with children. There are tons of things in healthcare to be done. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean because you go into healthcare that you have to sit at a bedside or that you have to work at a bedside in a hospital setting. But if you take on a job in a hospital setting, allow your skin to be thicker than what it was, <coughs> excuse me, while you were in school. Because I can definitely remember when I was in school and people would say things, <laughs> your feelings would be hurt, and you were just like, oh, and yeah, I can't salty. believe they said that to me. <laughs> and, I, you know, just uh, allow your skin to be thicker and kind of take the water off a duck's back approach and not allow people to deter you from what you feel is right for you. If nursing is what is for you, don't let some disgruntled patient or family member uh, deter you from that because there are some days I go home and I think, yep, I'm never going to work again. <laughs> I ain't doing it. I'm it quitting. Yeah, the, and I can imagine that it's that stressful to deal with stuff that you can't, you normally can't even really just help. It's so unpredictable in that field. You it know. is it is very unpredictable. People say some of the most harsh things, um, and uh, people do call you out of your name. It is. Uh, I always tell people, people, I've been called everything but a child of God, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it does make you say, I, "I'm never going back." I, and you immediately you get online and you start looking up these jobs and. In looking up those jobs and looking at the requirements, I then think about the positives and the perks of my job. I think about having coworkers that I do appreciate. I think about having a place where I know where I stand. <clears throat> I know if I need something, I know that I can call on my director or my clinical manager and tell them, hey, look, um, this is what's going on. This is what mm -hmm. I need. Um, I know that I work for an entity that uh, supports furthering your education and the climb up the ladder. Uh, you know, I've been able to go from my LPN to an ASN, and I'm now working on a BSN, and I've never missed a day of work. You know, so uh, those are all things that I appreciate about it, and then it makes it okay for the moment. Yeah. Is nursing one of those situations where it's uphill, downhill, uphill, downhill? It's fluctuating. Fluctuates. Yeah, sometimes it feels that way. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I wouldn't choose another career. I, I don't know what I would do if I wasn't a nurse. I don't know if I didn't work in healthcare with people in some sort of way. I don't know what I would do. That'll be, it's almost like you wouldn't, you couldn't see yourself doing anything. Like I know your dad has been doing that maintenance for years. Couldn't see yourself doing anything. I've been doing maintenance for five years. Couldn't see myself doing anything. Kind of when you're set, you're set. You're always going to have good days. You're always going to have bad days. You're always going to have, there's always, there can never be a perfect job. Um, right. And, um, you know, fortunately, the job you you uh, you took on is a, a benefit to people, and I just want people to start understanding that. Yes, um, and I love what I do, and that's that's the key. If you love what you do, you never really feel like you are working. 
Now, I kindly reevaluate that on some shifts, but for the <laughs> most part, like I genuinely do. I love yeah. nursing. I love healthcare. I love helping people. I love being there for people when they need it most, even when people are acting crazy, a monkey, <laughs> belligerent, cursing, yelling, screaming. Inappropriate. Inappropriate and think that I am the devil and I am here to take them to Hades. I, I, I get that. I get that you don't want to be around me. I get you don't want, but right now I am what stands between you and well-being. Just just let me do what I do. Absolutely. And uh, just, you know, just be patient. Be, be patient, be kind, and um, always just try to remember that it is rare in the healthcare world that you are your nurse's only patient in any setting. Uh, even in an intensive care setting, those nurses take two patients. Wow. So even in that setting, those critically ill patients, those nurses are caring for two critically Jesus. ill people. And you still, in those settings, have to have respect and wait your turn and allow them to do what they are doing. Because rest assured, nurses are doing everything they can to help you. It may not seem like it, but they are. Or at least I am. I, I will say I am. I, if I tell you I'm doing something for you, I, I'm going. If you pass by me and I'm sitting down, rest assured it's because I'm looking something up for what you needed. And I <laughs> want to make sure that, I don't mess it up. You, you can literally be on your feet for eight hours, sit down for three minutes, and then the family sees you. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I pass by, she's sitting down. You know, it's a no-win situation. Uh, thank you, Thea. Thank you for all your advice. Thank you for all your insight. A lot of great um, topics that we discussed. And just thank you just in general for coming in and spreading this awareness with me. Uh, most definitely. Uh, most definitely. Tell all of your uh, young listeners out there, anybody going to any kind of college of any kind, just have a plan. Have a plan of action. Stick with that plan. And the hardest part about college is maintaining financial stability when you're out on your own. When yeah. you live with your parents, that's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. But financial stability is the hardest part about school. You can study and pass a test. You can work really hard and get where you want to go. But money is something nobody wants to give anybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. I should make that. I should put that on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> It is. It is the truth. Financial stability. You can do and work your way through a lot of things, but it is very hard to convince somebody to take on, hey, I want to go back to college. Can you pay my mortgage, my light, my cell phone, <laughs> and my truck note while I focus on my education? Yeah, let's see how many people jump to this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Thea. Yeah, no problem. I discuss, really enjoyed it. <laughs> this is Let's Discuss a Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Thank you for listening. Yeah, 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 I'm a thief.